Praise God. It's a joy, a privilege, and an honor to share God's word once again with you. I have a saying, and I trust that some or the other, by the grace of God, you are experiencing what I'm about to say. I said to my friend the other day, any Tom, Dick, and Harry can preach the word, but we've got to preach the way Peter, James, and John preached. And how did they preach? Yes, they preached the God, they preached the word of God. But you know what? Whenever they preached the word of God, the God of the word was before the congregation and the audience. So it's one thing to preach God's word, but it's another thing to present the God of the word. And I trust by the grace of God that somehow or the other, God is presenting himself, even as I minister the word of God to you. This morning, we're going to continue with our subject, what is in your hand? What potential lies there? And our topic is the hands of intercession. But before we commence, I feel it appropriate that we read the scripture. Let's turn to the word of God. And if I remember rightly, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 9. This then is how you should pray. Jesus speaking. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. Amen. May God add his blessing to the reading of his holy and precious word. When we consider prayer, it is one of the most important spiritual disciplines. And because it's one of the most important spiritual disciplines, we have to fully comprehend it. We must understand it. Now, many of us don't realize that prayer has several facets, aspects to it. And when you practice prayer within the various facets, it takes on its true spiritual purpose. Each type of prayer is earmarked for a specific purpose. And therefore, we're going to consider some of the facets of prayer. Facet number one, the prayer of agreement. And one of the classic examples of this facet of prayer is found in the Gospels. And Jesus said, Again I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. And may he add his blessing to his word. Often you find yourself persisting in prayer all by yourself. And there are those occasions that your faith is low and you feel as if you are, your prayer is bouncing on the ceiling and coming back to you. When you do feel like that, let me say to you first and foremost, don't allow your feelings to get the better of you. But if it does persist, go to a brother or go to a sister and ask them to agree with you in a certain matter of prayer. You know, the Bible says two are better than one. And it goes further on saying, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. 
But I must admit, there are those given times that you can go to a brother and sister and ask them to join you in prayer, in the prayer known as the prayer of agreement. But sometimes you can't because it's something that if others might know about and spread a word, then your character will be, so to say, tarnished. And some things you can't share with man. You can only share with God. And when that takes place, you feel you can't trust anyone to agree with you in prayer. I always said this, and I believe I said it in one of the previous chapters. If you can't agree with man, there's two others you can agree with. And that being the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, we spoke about the type of Jesus, the high priest, and the type of her um, as the Holy Spirit. Aaron being the high priest and her being a type of the Holy Spirit. Agree with the word. Say that which the word says concerning your request. And say that which the Holy Spirit is endorsing as you take the word promised to you and voice it out aloud to God. Let me say this, my brother and my sister. When you can't find, find someone to agree with you on a certain matter, or if in the case you feel too shy to share the problem that you're having, then you go to the Lord because the Lord said, I will neither leave you nor forsake you. So remember the prayer of agreement. Then the other prayer that's very vital is the prayer of binding and loosing. Jesus had convinced his apostles that the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. And you know quite well, that's found in Matthew chapter 16, 18 to 19. Jesus gave his apostles the authority to do exactly what he had done in his ministry. The name of Jesus was to be the power of attorney. Whatever they loosed in his name would be loosed. And whatever they bound in his name would be bound. It was the name of Jesus that acted as the key to lock and to open the blessings of God. The modern day church has the exact same power. Let me briefly speak to you about Abraham, Genesis chapter 15. Remember when God ratified the covenant, the promises to Abraham. Abraham said to God, how will I know? And God, God, God said, or rather God put him into a deep sleep and God ratified the covenant. What happened? Abraham was in a horror of darkness, totally unconscious. And what happened? The Spirit of God moved be be between the sacrifice, the shed blood, and he moved through there as a, a, a consuming fire and as a burning lamb. Now you know and I know quite well for there to be a, 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 a current relationship. Two people have to sign. But Abraham could not sign because Abraham, where was he? He was in a horror of darkness, in a deep, deep, unconscious state, fast, fast asleep. But you know what? The picture of the consuming fire is nothing else but God because the Bible says God is a consuming fire. And someone else signed on behalf of Abraham. And the burning lamp is nothing else than the type of Jesus Christ, who was Abraham's 
power of attorney. Now, in the same way, Jesus Christ in our day and age and in our relationship with the Father, He is our power of attorney and we bind and loose not in our own name not because we're born again not because we spirit filled but we have the power to bind and loose for the simple fact we do it in the name of jesus jesus is our power of attorney hallelujah now let's consider the prayer of consecration the lord jesus sets forth a wonderful example of this type of prayer in the garden of Gethsemane. These are the words. And going a little further, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. This prayer of Jesus oftentimes needs to be reiterated in our life. Oftentimes we need to cry this prayer out to God. You know that my will and your will sometimes opposes the will of God. And the flesh demands that we continue with our will. However, if we want to see the will of God performed in our life and our visions and dreams coming to pass, we've got to die to our will. And you know it's difficult to die to our will. And the Lord has put in place certain spiritual powers that will give us the victory over our own peculiar wills. One of the most difficult things in the, in the, in the, the life of a parent is to instill uh, uh, his will or more so the will of God in the life of his children as they grow up. Children have a mind of their own. And you know, if they continue with the mind of their own, they will, they will no doubt end up wasted wasting their lives because our mind is towards the flesh it's not towards spirituality and it's difficult sometimes most times for fathers and mothers to 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 sort of mold the child's will to a world which is pleasing in the sight of god now god has the same problem with you but nevertheless he puts in place in his words certain spiritual uh, 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 strengths that we can incorporate in our life that will help us to die to our will and to live unto the will of God. And one of these spiritual assets that we have, it's a spirit of prayer. Amen. And therefore, when you pray, pray not your will be done, but pray the will that, Je that Jesus asked for of his Father. Not my will, but thine will be done. And no doubt, no doubt you've got to realize this. Jesus was well aware of what lied before him. The scourging, the embarrassment, the nakedness, the lying against him, the false witnessing, uh, the crucifixion and all this. He knew what was before him. And as a man who laid aside his power freely that you and I might be enriched with his grace, he had to pray to God for strength. And he said, Lord, let me die to my will. And what was his will? No doubt his will, his, his human frailties sort of tried to convince him to move away from the cross. But he cried to his father for strength, for God's will, that he might carry out the definite call he had on his life to go to the cross. And we need to do this. We can never fulfill the will of God on our own. It's through intimacy with God. It's through prayer that we can perform the will of God. Amen. Let's now talk about the prayer of faith. And the Bible says this, 
And the prayer of faith will save the one who seek, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. You know quite well that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our whole spiritual life begins with faith. The Bible says, for by grace are we saved through faith. Amen. We've got to believe. And I'll never, ever forget that which my pastor said. And that being that wonderful man of God, Apostle Edwin Gray. He said this concerning how to build up one's faith. He said this, doubt your doubts. Let me reiterate that. It is vital. Doubt your doubts, but believe God. Faith is simply doubting your unbelief and believing God, having faith in God. So to see the workings of God, to see the vision that God has laid upon your heart and your dreams to come past and to perform that which is necessary in your life, in the life of others, you've got to have faith in God. You've got to believe and trust God. Now, the chapter that we deal with today is on the prayer of intercession. So I'll deal with that later. Then we have also the prayer of judgment. Now, in most cases, I find this more so in the Old Testament when they, the, the Jewish nation prayed prayers against the enemies. Now, in the New Testament, I, I haven't come across a scripture where this is endorsed where we can pray against our enemies. In fact, it seems that Jesus makes a total shift from prayers of judgment and rather wants us to pray prayers of grace upon our enemies. And this is what the Bible teaches. We are to pray for our enemies, pray for those that persecute us and despitefully use us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44 to 48. It's a whole new tone. It's a whole new attitude, attitude towards people. As we received the grace of God, are we to convey the grace of God that has enriched our life to others, even if they are our enemies? And I love what Acts chapter 1 says. You know, the word of God interprets itself. You shall be witness in Judea, Jerusalem, uh, Judea and Samaria, and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. There, there is a, a, a set pattern, and to me the pattern is Judea, Judea is your home, and uh, no, Jerusalem is your home, Judea is your community, and Samaria is your enemies, because you know and I know quite well, there was great dissension between the Samaritans and the Jews. So in our witnessing, We've got to, yes, come, uh, go to our family first and our friends and the community. But God doesn't want us to leave our enemies out. And after we've touched uh, uh, our family, our community and our enemies, then are we called of God to go to the lost world. Then also, what I love in prayer is praying in the Spirit. Let me read the scripture. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. That's recorded in Romans 8, 26-27. Then Jude, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you have realized that I have realized 
what the Bible says. We, the Bible says we pray repetitious prayers. We say the same thing over and over and over. And in reality, we don't know the mind of God. He that knows the mind of God is no one else but the Spirit of God. And if we want to pray according to the mind of God, then you've got to pray in the Spirit. You've got to pray in other tongues. And you'd be surprised. It's the Spirit of God praying through you. And you will pray according to the mind of God. And because you do so, you will be blessed of the Lord. Now, let me talk about the prayer of worship. In the previous chapter, we, 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 we spoke about uh, 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 um, what the prayer of worship is all about. It, it speaks of sacrifice, self-sacrifice. But let me talk briefly about the prayer of worship in this sense. When you pray worship prayers, you will always receive the mind of God. Let me say that again. Let me reiterate because once again, it's imperative, it's vital, it's important. When you pray prayers of worship, when you honor God, when you magnify God, when you praise God, the Bible says God inhabits your praises. In other words, God King comes in on the scene and God comes in on your life in a, in a dynamic way. And prayer will always lead to direction. And let me give you the classic example. I'll read the scripture. The Holy Spirit said, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Spirit of God said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which unto I have called them. Here was the church that set aside in Antioch, the church of Antioch, setting aside a time of, of worship as such. They were praying, worshiping, and then the Spirit of God spoke. And this is true. You know, sometimes you and I wonder when we're all alone, and we're reading and, we, and, and, and we're praying, and we say, hey, I haven't heard from God today. You know why? We come to God with those repetitious prayers. Nothing else but a prayerless. Kick into worship. Magnify the name of God. Exalt the name of God. Stand up, jump, and shout and scream and just honor God and worship God. Tell Him how great He is. Yes, you know, God, I always say, God doesn't need to know how great He, he is. But when you do that, you remind yourself of how great God is to you. And I tell you, 99 times out of 10, God will drop something into your spirit. Just as He dropped something into the spirit of the Antioch church. And they had the mind of God to give a word to Saul and Barnabas to be sent forth out as apostles into a lost and dying world. So worship. If you want direction, if you want to hear the Spirit of God or be reminded of a scripture, lift up your hands and honor God in worship. Amen. Now, before we go into the prayer of intercession, it is essential that we discuss the heart of a pastor. I went to my, to my doctor this morning. I had to go for, for blood tests and there's a nurse there. Oh, a lovely Christian woman. And we always talk about the Lord, you know. And uh, in my, I, I love, a, I love to, 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 to share jokes and all that, you know. And uh, after she had taken my blood, you know, I said to her, you know, lady, you are a star. I never even felt that needle. She said, no, Joe, Joe it's nice. I'm glad to hear you say that. And I said, yes, you are a star. But you know, the sad thing about me is this. People don't call me a star. They call me a disaster. I said, nevertheless, sister, the other thing, I was a pastor. What did you, what did you say, Joe? What did you say, Joseph? I was a pastor. I said, no, Joe, Joseph, you will always be a pastor. 
I thought I'd just drop that in. Laughter, medicine for the soul. All right, let's talk about the heart of the pastor. Many born-again Christians fail to realize that their destinies, their futures, are held in the praying hands of their pastors. Should I repeat that? Of course. Many born-again Christians fail to realize that their destinies and their futures are held in the praying hands of their pastors. The ministry of a pastor is unique in that it is a caring ministry. Congregations are more readily blessed when the man of God is an intercessor. In our modern day church, we have ministers who excel in preaching, exhortations, allegorical preachings, etc., etc., prophetical utterance. Many are, are uniquely articulate. Words flow and come easy in their profound preaching and teaching. Though this is an important aspect of the pastoral ministry, it is in no way the hallmark of the pastoral ministry. I have always maintained that any Tom, Dick and Harry could be an articulate preacher. However, it takes a man of great love for God's people to care for God's flock and thus be a true preacher. You can be a preacher and that an outstanding preacher, but it doesn't mean you have the heart of a pastor. Sadly, many pastors love the crowds and the accolades of the congregation and the world. No doubt, the call of the man of God is to be with the people of God and yet the strength of his ministry and most of the strength of the people whom he passes is not just dependent on what he says to them through the preaching word of God it is also crucially dependent on what he says to God on their behalf in his private chamber of prayer say hallelujah say hallelujah someone I will never forget these words of wisdom Sadly, I cannot recall who said it, and I'm paraphrasing, and this being it, that the test of a man of God's soul is not how much time he spends preaching to God's people, but rather how much time he spends alone with God in prayer for God's people. Hallelujah. Moses is recognized as the prophet of God of the Old Testament, and yet when we make an in-depth study of his ministry, most of us will agree that the most, that most definitely he had the caring heart of a shepherd and a priest. No wonder it was Moses that ordained Aaron as the first high priest of the, of the Jewish nation. The simple fact is that you cannot impart to others that you yourself do not possess. Oh, that's vital. You cannot impart a pastor's heart if you yourself have not got the pastor's heart. I give you the classic example. You cannot impart a prophetical mantle to a person that needs a prophetical mantle unless you yourself have a prophetical mantle. Remember Elijah and Elisha? Classic example. 
Why do I stress this ministerial facts of Moses? I do so for the simple reason that as a prophet of God, he declared to the people of God the very mind of God. And as a man of God with the caring heart of a shepherd priest who offers up sacrifice and that of himself, time, energy, family, pleasure, etc. He exhibited the loving heart of God. There is a simple spiritual truth. And may I add, no man has taught me this. Years of heartache, self-denial, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And if I boast, I'm boasting in the Lord. You cannot make known the mind of God to His people unless you have the heart of God. Hallelujah. God has taught me over the years that it is the fundamental duties of men and women of God to echo the voice of God to God's elect and in turn echo to God the innermost hurts, groanings, sorrows and sufferings of God's people to God. Oh, hallelujah. The servant of God must always bear in mind that he is not only a servant of God, but also the servant of his fellow man. He, the man of God, is God's representative to, representative to man and man's representative to God. The man of God is God's mouth people to God's people and in turn the people's mouthpiece to God. If ever there was a man of God that fits the above description of a true man of God, it is Moses. This mighty prophet of God loved God's people more than he loved himself. One of, my, one of my personal favorite saying has become the earnest desire of my ministry. And I know that I can excel in the ministry if I make every effort to live up to it. And that being, before you preach to people, pray for people. Before you preach to people, pray for people. Hallelujah. Now let's talk about Moses, the people's intercessor. I really wonder whether Jesus had Moses in mind when he spoke the parable of the lost sheep. Remember Jesus spoke of leaving the 99 and to look for the one and went looking and, and said we must look for the one lost sheep. Matthew chapter 18, 10 to 14. Moses had an experience that sh truly showed forth his caring heart for the people of God. They murmured against Moses, for there was no drink water, drinking water. The murmurings against the servant of God were that ghastly that it almost led to the disastrous action of Moses being stoned. Exodus chapter 17, 1 to 7. Moses cried to the Lord and was instructed to strike the rock. Fresh water gushed out forth from the rock, thus quenching the dire thirst of the people. The scripture teaches that in no way are God's servants to be ridiculed, threatened, and attacked. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's um, anointed. Let me just read that again. The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth, his hand, forth mine hand against him, seeing that he is the anointed of the Lord. That's 1 Samuel 24, 6. Remember David and Saul? Uh, Saul pursued David 
But David, although it seemed as if God had delivered Saul, his enemy, into his own, uh, into David's hand, for David to do as he would. But David said, no, I will not, not touch God's anointed. God is a defender of his servants. He has and will recompense all those who come up against God's servants. God punishes his people severely for coming up against his servant. In other words, when people came up against David, when King Saul came up, David did not seek vengeance. When, when the people uh, uh, came up against Moses, when the Amalekites were, 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 I believe, acting out the judgment of God for which the people had brought against Moses, their judgment, uh, in no way was, was, was Moses uh, 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 gratified or, or thankful for, for God for coming up against those that were persecuting him. Let me read the scripture and show you the heart of this great man of God, Moses. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses upheld, held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hand, one on the one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. Amen. Exodus chapter 17, 8 to 13, that being the English Standard Version, UK. Both Matthew Henry and Jennings Dakes state that the Amalekites killed off the stranglers, that being those at the rear as they were marching through the wilderness. No doubt, this was a cowardly act. Moses, the good shepherd that, that was, that he was of God's flock, acts out what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 10, verse 14. Like Jesus, he cared for the sheep entrusted to his care. He stops the entire nation from moving forward and goes to the rear of the camp and instructs Joshua to choose an army to come up against the enemy while he goes to the overlooking hill with the rod of God. Now note carefully, note, note carefully how the rod is described. It is now neither the rod of Moses nor the rod of Aaron. It is now when the people are in dire danger that it becomes the rod of God. Man can do so much, but only God can do it all. Moses stood on the hill, viewing the battle intently, attentively, and raised the rod of God heavenward. As long as the rod of God was raised, the battle for Joshua's, the battle went for Joshua's army. However, when the rod of God went down to his side, the battle went against the army of Joshua. This is a classic picture of what I had mentioned in the subheading. The heart of the pastor. He holds the destiny in his hands. Your pastor holds your destiny in his hands. He holds the destiny and the future of his congregation in his hands. Be it that the minister is a praying man, 
a man of God that intercedes for the flock that God has entrusted him with. They, the flock, will always know the delivering power of the Lord Most High. Be it that the man of God loves the pulpit and does not spend time in intercession with those in the pew, then sad to say, Satan and his demonic horde will run roughshod, brutal, over God's people. Now, let me speak about helping hands of intercession. The scriptures is clear that Aaron and her accompanied Moses initially when he ascended the hill. However, they noticed as long as the rod of God was raised heavenward, the battle went for them. And when it drew to his side, the battle went against them. These were wise men of God. They did not rush to raise the hands of the man of God. They surveyed, reviewed the situation, and then acted accordingly. They thought it through, in other words. They did something that so many of God's people failed to do concerning their pastors and leadership. They made the man of God comfortable. Standing there on the hill all alone, hands constantly outstretched, and the people upon his heart was way too much for this loving prophet of God, who had a heart of a shepherd priest. They saw him sink to his knees, unable to continue. The burden of the people was too heavy for him. He was but a mere man. They wisely sought for a small boulder, stone, on which they made him sit, thus making him comfortable. Thereafter they stood alongside him, or sat or knelt alongside him, one on the left and on the right, placing their hands on his weakened arms and raising his hands high with the rod of God secure in his hands. These men of God knew that the future of the beloved nation rested with this mighty man of God. They acted without speaking. They knew that words would not solve the critical situation. They acted instantly and yet with great wisdom. They made sure that Moses was no more in physical discomfort. Although the spiritual burden weighed heavily upon his spirit, there on the hilltop was a threefold cord of intercession that could not be broken. Hear the word. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and there's not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. But a threefold cord, a threefold cord, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, 9 to 12. On the hill, the actions displayed by Aaron and her were most definitely prophetical towards the modern day church. Listen, 1 Corinthians 12, 26. 26 and when, whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. We are 
We all, we all, we all our brother's keeper. And believe it or not, we like Moses, Eden and her hold the destiny of others in our praying hands. Oh, hallelujah. A great victory was won for Israel against the enemy, not because of Joshua and his army. The battle was won because of Moses who held the destiny of the Israelites in his hands of intercession and two mighty men of God who said so little but did so much. There's power. Hallelujah. There's power in your hand. Let's talk about some spiritual application now. Number one, for our ministers to be effective as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we have to know and understand every facet of prayer for the simple fact that we have to pray the right type of prayer at given times and in certain situations. Number two, as pastors, we must always be aware that we hold the people of our congregation in the palm of our hands. Through our prayers of intercession on their behalf, we determine their future, their deliverance, and their blessings. We pray to a God who answers our heart's cry. Number three, though preaching is an integral facet of our ministry, it is not the highlight of our ministry. The highlight of our, highlight of our ministry is a time that we spend alone with God. It is through ardent, passionate, fervent, devoted communication with God that God, that God himself rubs off on us. When we shut ourselves off from the mundane, the common routine of life and shut ourselves in alone with God, he pours his person into us that when we stand before the congregation, they will not only hear the word of God we preach unto them, but they will see the word of God in action. It's one thing to preach God's word, but it's another thing to present the God of the word. Hallelujah. What we preach, God himself will act out. Be that we preach on healing, then God will heal. Be that we preach on forgiveness, then God will forgive. Be that we speak on the supernatural, then God will show up and perform the supernatural. God will confirm his word with signs following when his servants spend time with him alone. And that on behalf of God's people. Another, another, another spiritual application. As, as important as preaching is, we should always bear in mind that before we preach to people, we must pray for people. Hallelujah. My dear colleague and friend, Dr. Ronnie Naidu shared his, in this in his teaching class. How that he, before every service in his church, he would be early at church that he might pray for all those dear people who will be attending the church service. He went from empty pew to empty pew and laying hands on each pew asking God to bless the people that would sit in, the, in those specific pews and that the word of God he would be preaching to them would convict them and bless them. A true story is also told of a very renowned pastor once flying to minister in another country. He had a large stack of photographs with writing on each photograph and as he held each one in his hand, he spoke the name of the person's photograph he was holding in his hand. This went on for some time, and finally the passenger seated next to him could no longer 
wondered what this pastor was up to and asked him very politely what he was doing. He replied that he was simply memorizing the names of his congregation members, that after the church service, he, when shaking their hands, would mention their names. He also shared with the passenger that he had photographs of all his congregational members in his prayer room, and on alternate days, he would pray for certain members. This man was well-loved and appreciated by his flock. Let us forever bear in mind that a praying pastor is a loved and a and an appreciated pastor pastor then another spiritual truth to have a well-balanced effective ministry we must always seek the mind of god and the heart of god you must never forget it is one thing to know everything but it's another thing to love everyone as ascended gifted ministers another spiritual truth as ascended gifted ministers we must never ever forget that our vertical relation will always, will always determine our horizontal relationship. When right with God, we will always be right with man. Whoops! Whoops! Hands clasped in fervent prayer on behalf of others are a simple but meaningful revelation of God's love flowing from a man of God that has the heart of God. Another spiritual truth, Aaron and her are a prophetical picture of the ministry of Jesus our Lord and the Holy Spirit who comes alongside God's people in the hour of dire need. Scripture teaches that Aaron was the first high priest of the Israelites. The Eastern Bible sheds much light about her. He was the husband of Miriam the sister of Moses. He was the son of Caleb and the grandfather of Bezalel, one of the major artisans who built the tabernacle. Aaron is a type of a forever effective high priest. And how Aaron assisted Moses is seen in one of the many acronyms God has given me over the years of ministry. And that, by the way, is also uh, prayer. P-R. Let's talk first about Aaron. The priest, P-R-I-E-S-T-S, -S, praying righteous intercessory, intercessory effectual supplications towards salvation. In our moments of despair when we struggle, let me assure you, my fellow ministers, Jesus comes alongside of us just as Aaron had done. Jesus places his hand of grace on our weak and feeble arm and lifts up our hand heavenward. The hand of Jesus is a hand on grace and does not the Bible encourage us that the grace of our Lord Jesus is more than enough and he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore I will rather glory glory in my infirmities that the power of God may rest upon me amen pastor James Sokola a very renowned minister of the full gospel church in Durban gives us an acronym that truly expresses the unmerited favor that we receive from a loving and caring God. The hand now again. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. When Christ puts his hand of grace in your hand, he lifts you up and gives you unmerited favor. The Holy Spirit, of whom her is a type, comes alongside just as her comes alongside Moses and he raised and raised his feeble hand. It is said 
that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will infuse us with the power, with his power rather, but he shall receive power after that the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Acts 1.8 I passed a church in Havenside, Chatsworth, which sadly was not growing numerically. And may I add, I was struggling to support, to support my family financially. I encourage the church to pray with me Wednesday, Wednesdays, every Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. I lived about a half an hour to 45 minutes car drive away from the church, and no doubt it was a sacrifice on my part. And when I arrived for our first early witness, Wednesday rather, morning prayer meeting, I was devastated and dismayed and discouraged. Only five people attended and that's including myself. I went through the motions of prayer, but I must admit, I was so disappointed that my heart was not in the prayer meeting. However, even my, in my spiritual heartache, God encouraged, encouraged me. Within my inner man and in my mind, the word power was echoing repeatedly. I yielded, yielded to the Lord and I will never forget what words flooded my spirit and my mind. These are the five people that will bring my power to the church. The church grew numer numerically and the congregation began tithing faithfully, thus solving my financial problem. These five people became the pillars of our church. At that first meeting, God spoke to me in the peculiar way. He does speak to me by giving me another acronym and that for power and that was associated with the prayer meeting p-o-w-e-r power over wicked evil rivalry when we pray god gives us power over wicked evil rivalry there's power in intercession there's power in worship there's power in praise Amen. There's power in supplication. There's power in the agreement of prayer. There's power in the power prayer of faith. Perhaps there are those of us when facing personal crisis and also interceding for those in desperate need. We discover that no one comes alongside of us. We are in the spiritual battle all by ourselves. I have been there several times and I know what it is to face life challenges and the problems of the church all by myself. There are no errands and hers around. What do we do at those crucial times when we're all by ourselves, knowing full well that we hold the destiny of the members of our congregation in our hands of prayer? No one to agree with. Let me assure you, there are two that will come alongside you when you're all alone. Has not God said, I will neither leave you nor forsake you? Has not the Lord said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard? Whenever we pray, according to the word of God and in the spirit, it is Jesus who comes alongside of us and the Holy Spirit that comes alongside of us. That's uh, John 1, 1 to 4 and Romans 8, 26 to 27. I believe that the best threefold call of prayer is you, the Word and the Holy Spirit. Thank God for our fellow brethren that do stand alongside of us.
but when alone, fret not, for that is the time when two persons of the eternal God comes alongside of you. Who would you rather have alongside you? Brother Jack or Sister Joel or the Word of God and the Holy Spirit? Yes, like you, I would rather prefer the Word of God and the Spirit of the Lord. Let me say this in closing. Oh, it's a lot to say stuff. Prayer is the lifeblood of all Christians. Born of the Spirit and filled with God. John 3, 5, Ephesians 5, 18. Prayer is like water to the human body. Stop drinking water and we will dry up. Let me have a sip. Stop praying and we will dry up spiritually. Let me close this exciting, challenging chapter with one more acronym that the Lord God gave me. P-R-A-Y-E-R. -E Prayer. P-R-A-Y-E-R. -E Listen carefully. Prayer reveals almighty Yahweh, that's the Hebrew word for God, or Yeshua, the Hebrew word for Jesus, E, eternal, or righteousness. Let me say it again. Prayer reveals almighty Yahweh's, Yeshua's eternal righteousness. And it's simply this. When you pray, when you ask of God, God will answer in righteousness. And righteous simply means God's holiness in action. <laughs> pray. Amen. I trust you were blessed. Amen. What's in your hand? this morning what is in your hand this morning when you lock yourself off from the world and shut yourself in alone with God in your prayer closet I've got a special place where I go to pray I, I deem it as my as my uh, um, as my 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 how can I say the throne room of God and I sit on a certain chair I, I do heal sometimes, but most of the time I must admit, I sit when I pray. I like to be relaxed. Amen? And I sit there. That's my place where I believe I meet with God. Although God is with me all the time. But I have this certain place where I shut off myself from the world, from my family, from my responsibilities, from my church, and I shut myself alone with and there is where I worship, and there is where I pray. There's where I speak to God, and I believe at times God speaks to me. There is where I hear the voice of God, and I get leanings and guidance from God. That's why I believe in prayer. Amen. And I'm so, so, so excited that at times I sense the presence of God. And I feel as if my spirit, just not only my hands, I'll lift it up. But I feel as if my spirit is lifted up. There's power in prayer. Pastor, you hold your congregation's destiny, future in your hand. Concentrate on your preaching, study. But remember this. The greatest effect, the greatest power that brings results in your ministry in and through your congregation is the power of prayer. So before you preach to, pray for. Apostle, 
And I say it with reservation. I'm not pointing fingers of accusation. If you want to win the world, if you want to go from here to there, before you go, get yourself a gigantic map and lay hands on the, on the nations of the world and pray and intercede. And I tell you, my brother, it won't take overnight. It will take you years before God sends you. God doesn't send novices in to the world to bring forth the apostolic command. Prophets, pray, seek God's face. Evangelists, teachers, seek God's face. The greatest spiritual power we have outside of God's word is prayer. And let me say this. Many people are great preachers and they preach by knowledge. But if you really want to be an effective preacher, you get your anointing, not through knowledge, you get your anointing through prayer, where you spend time with God, and God the Holy Ghost sheds abroad in your heart His love, anointing, and power. God bless you. Amen. See you shortly. Amen.